Hi there, I'm your host Jack Bull and welcome to the Hole in One Golf Podcast. Please do remember to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're listening on to keep hearing great golfing tales. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please also like, share and follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram. The pages are listed below. Please also feel free to reach out to me at any of the links below. Thanks very much for your support. I really do appreciate it and it helps get more stories to share. In this episode, I was extremely fortunate to chat with a highly successful professional golfer who I'm a huge fan of. A tour winner from the age of 18, the youngest female to first win $1 million in earnings at the age of 20 and a three-time Solheim Cup player who is still as hungry and as driven to succeed as when she turned pro at 18. She is also an author, blogger, golf broadcaster, and a huge voice for change. Joining me today is the truly inspirational lady, Christina Kim, who is famously known across social media as the Christina Kim. What's even more impressive than her incredible career is the openness and honesty that she shares with everyone around her, including the ups and downs that she has faced through her career, coming out the other side and talking on, openly about them. Yeah, hey there. hello. How's it going? Kia ora from New Zealand. <laughs> Kia ora. I am so sorry. I, I, I got caught up. I went and purchased a little putting mat, so oh, wow. I got caught up doing that. Yeah, we're not allowed to go to the golf course until – it's Monday evening right now. We're not allowed to go to the golf course until Wednesday morning. Right. So I figured I would get a little bit of practice in. I am just screwing you in. Yeah, that's um, a great idea. Yeah, plenty more putt in practice. That'll help. Indeed. Do you want me in landscape mode? Hey, that's fine. Um, that's fine like that. Are you sure? Yeah, sure. Okay. Let me know if... God bless. Let me know if... I can just, I mean, I can just move the freaking tripod, actually. I put it on the other side of this dining room table. I can just pop it here, and then I will just. Have you been to the gym or something? Have you been working out or something? Or? Um, well, I did work out, yes. I, I have not been to the gym here. I went, I, my trainer did set me up with a, an at-home uh, workout, and Cool. So I just did a little bit while I was here because I was traveling in a freaking Tyvek suit and I was like, I think I sweated enough and I don't want to, if I were to go to the gym, I would most likely put that Tyvek suit back on. <laughs> so I just did some stuff here at the house. Yeah. So are you in Florida at the moment? No, I just landed in Ohio. I landed in oh, Toledo. Wow. We've got our first tournament. Yeah. It's starting up on Friday. So I'm so pumped right now that's awesome as, as do you think your game's in good shape and um, you know through the lockdown and stuff or yeah i mean i've been working on swing changes i've been working on um sorry i'm going to keep moving you till i'm that's happy. Cool. Yeah. and i'm not it's okay um i've been working on swing changes i've been wow. working on changing my everything within my putting i've been working on my mental game yep. i've been working out doing legitimately everything um to try and, you know, be better tomorrow than I am today and to be yeah. better today than I was yesterday, oh, wow. um, which is, it's, it's interesting because there, there are a number of girls I've spoken to um, throughout the quarantine, so girls all over the world yeah. 
that have been like, you know, since we don't know when we're going to start up again, there's nothing to play for. And I don't know if I want to even bother starting up again and practicing. And wow. it's like, yeah, it's, I, and to an extent I can understand, yes. you know, cause it's almost like the guys like right now, you know, since there's been such a late restart, they normally this time of year would have been playing their best golf because they're ramping up to peak at yes. the majors. And so since that's gone all skewed and all over the place, it's just different. Um, so there's just different mentalities for all sorts of stuff. Yeah, there's been some interesting results and uh, performances, hasn't there? Some people seem to have come out better and some people, like you say, are kind of taking time to get back into it and it's interesting. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's, that's, what's, that's one thing that's so great about golf is at the end of the day, it is the great equalizer. And yeah. I mean, realistically, you can have easily 80 to 100 guys win any given week. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, at the end of the day, you just need to have four good rounds and, <laughs> you know, just play your best. And if your best is better than everyone else's best, then you're doing all right. No, that's true. All right, cool. Well, look, I just wanted to say, you know, I'm a massive fan of yours, um, you know, and I follow you all the time. And, and so, I mean, I, I could stand here all day asking you questions, but I don't want to ask, you know, keep you on too long. But, um, I mean, would you mind talking a little bit about the early part as well as what, and the middle part and also where you're at now, if that's all right? Um, early, middle, and you mean like in terms of the lockdown, what's yeah. been taking place? Oh, no, no, I just meant like your whole career, because obviously, I, like your oh. whole golf career. Not, not, so I mean, I don't want to waste all your time, but I just want to... Yeah, no, 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 it's all good. Like, obviously, um, you started off really young, you know, you turned pro at 18, you were amazing out of the blocks, you know, and you won straight away. And, like, are you, would, what would you tell your younger self now or advice? Are you glad you turned pro at 18 and obviously it was so successful? Would you change anything now or? No, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm very happy with where I am now yeah. and I am exactly where I'm meant to be. I am twice the age I was when I first turned pro. So Still the way young. I see it, I am, well, the way I see it, I'm entering yeah. my, you know, this is my second rookie phase. In yeah, essence, definitely. You yeah. Know? And so I'm a lot wiser now than I was yep. back then. I, if I were to tell my younger self anything, it would have probably just be like, you know, just calm your tits. Like, yeah. you're going to be all right. Like, be fine. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a long, long journey. Life yeah. is wow, at once very long while also, you know, happens in an instant. Like, there's, I cannot believe we're almost in August already. So, um, you know, I would just say the best thing that best piece of advice I would have ever given myself when I was younger is to really focus on being in the present and yeah. understanding that your self-worth is not a direct correlation to your score on the card you know no I sit there and I'm like you know what I had a shit day <laughs> I know that I tried my best I know that I left <clears throat> everything out there at the end of the day nobody died you know, missing there, that putt yeah, on yeah. whatever hole it is, that does not make you a bad person. Um, <laughs> may make you a bad putter. <laughs> yeah. and, but at the end of the day, you know, it's just, it's, it's a remarkable journey that I'm on. It's a remarkable yeah, journey I've yeah. been on. And, yeah. you know, I was, the thing is though, it's like, you know, I, I see a lot of these kids that are the age, you know, or a little bit older than I was when I first turned pro. And, you know, it's, you sit there and you're just like, you're so stupid, you know, because you just, you only know what you know. And with 
time comes experience and wisdom and more and more lessons. Like I remember the day that I turned 30, I like 29, 11 months, 30 days, I would have been like, I know everything. And then the day that I turned 30, I had this epiphany of, I don't know a damn thing. (laughs) And I am so ready to learn. You know, I was very strong headed when I was younger and I thought that I knew anything, let alone everything. And and now I look back and I'm like, man, like if you had just opened up your mind, opened up your heart and, and opened yourself up to, to opportunity and instead of taking things and seeing them as good or bad, you know, you can Definitely, always, yeah. always find a good spin on any situation or mm-hmm. find it to be a, um, you know, a lesson in patience or, you know, things like that. No, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome advice, isn't it? As you get, get a little bit older and wiser. And um, I mean, like, obviously you've been pretty open, haven't you about like um, ups and downs and how you've, you've dealt with it and come through it. And I've, I noticed like you've done quite a lot of blogging and stuff, haven't you as well. And uh, you're very open and honest. Like, I mean, has that, <clears throat> has that really helped you get through things like that, you know, like tough times and how have you got through those sort of things? Um, you know, I, I, I think that I actually, like when it came to when I was blogging, you know, way back when I would, they would be a lot more reflective than anything else. Um, because I would be so focused on just trying to get out of the rut that I was in. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And instead of just saying, okay, this sucks, acknowledge that it sucks, accept that it sucks. Mm-hmm. And also accept that this too will end. Um, yep. You know, my mother gave me some great advice, you know, when she, you know, the, the, I had a blog post that went uh, pretty viral. That was never my intention. Like I, I sit here and I'm like, the last thing I ever want to do is give two shits what people think of me. You know, like I, a lot of times it was just a yeah, matter of me yeah. writing things to uh, get them out of me combined with if I can help someone that would be incredible. I don't care if someone thinks that I'm a good person or a bad person or anything like that. I just am who I am. Yeah, of course. So, um, you know, my mother, you know, she read about it through like some Korean media outlets and things like that, like months after I posted it. And, you know, she was like, I wish you had come to me sooner because, you know, we would have been able to have some discussions that, you know, would have quite frankly been painful for, for both of us. It's just, yeah. and she was like, I'm not trying to diminish what you've been through. I just want you to understand, you know, everybody's life has hardships and everybody's life has, um, you know, uh, the human spirit can actually take an immense amount of um, challenges and pain and, you know, a lot of things that are fearful um, yeah. and we can, we can get past it. So she was like, you know, that inner resilience yeah it's there yeah and and she had told me you know in her you know slightly broken english um you know she's an american citizen like the day she got her citizenship we were both (laughs) so so proud of her yeah um she is still from korea though and so she just told me she's like even in the darkest of nights there will always be a beautiful sunrise and so that kind of that yeah that really resonated with me because you know it just reminds you to always have hope and you know, even if you're not in a good place now, it's not like, you know, manic depression where it's like the highs are so high and the lows are so low or anything like that. It's just when you're down there, you know, you just have to understand 
that you're going to be okay. And so I've, you know, learned coping mechanisms where, you know, on really, really, really shit days, I have to break my day apart and I will sit yep. there and I'll be like, it's all about small victories. Did you wake up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Little victories. Yeah. That's so important. Yeah. Did you check, get check. out of bed? Even if yes. it took you three hours, check, you know, did you shit the bed while you were sleeping? No. Tech. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, and, and you realize, you know, if you, you know, did you give yourself nourishment? Did you do this? Did you do that? Like all of these things where you focus on the things that, that are, you know, right here and seem so inconsequential and small, you can build up hundreds of little victories and you can sit back and be like, okay, yeah, like all of the good definitely does outweigh that, you know, that one bad moment where you know, I, I got rejected by uh, someone that I was trying to pursue or I got rejected for a yeah, job cool. that I was trying to go for, yeah. things like that, you know, just has really allowed me to really focus on where I am and yeah. to just provide me with perspective. No, that's cool. It's been really important, like what you mentioned there, it's been really important the last few months, hasn't it? Because like you say, people have got out of their routines, they've been in bed, they've been on the couch and they've, they've kind of, miss some of that so yeah that's that's pretty good advice and um, yeah, oh sure. sorry going off track I, I can see you've got a green stone necklace there yeah i do yes that's beautiful where, where did you get that from then well so i got this as a birthday present from my boyfriend oh wow cool who he is a kiwi as well yeah yeah and Brilliant. he um and i i i knew that i couldn't personally purchase a green stone because that's not how it goes. Yep. <laughs> so I, you know, just kind of mentioned how much I liked it and he decided to purchase it and yep. gift it to me for my birthday um, years okay. ago. And so, yeah, so I've got one of, I've got those, I've got a couple other um, pieces. I have uh, some little earrings that I wear that are like, um, they've got a little tiny bit of green stone in them. They're, they're gold kiwi birds. Um, oh, cool. I've got, actually, give me one second, <laughs> sorry. Oh, wow, it's a Kiwi head I have, I have oh, his wow. name is Kahu. Oh, that's so cool, man. Yeah. Oh, that's, so oh, cool. I, um, hang on one sec. My, my flipping phone, there we go. We're charging. Yeah, um, so, yeah. um, so green, green stones, um, yeah, really sacred in New Zealand. And yeah, it's, it's very, um, it's great if you get given one of those. It means, means a lot. It's very spiritual. Yeah. And it'll bring you a lot of, uh, good spiritual feelings and love and stuff. So yeah, that's obviously, yeah, he, he obviously think, you know, think that's uh, true love. <laughs> well, I mean, shit, it's been 10 years. So I'm okay, just like, you're not going no anywhere. Yeah. Is, is, is your partner, is he still, cad does he caddy for you? Or is that, is he not caddying for you now? No, so I first, we met year, over 10 years ago in France yeah. uh, when he was caddying. He was on a gap year at school oh, wow. and he was, just did what you Kiwis do and just went on a, went on a holiday, went over to Europe, yeah. took a round the world ticket and he was caddying on the ladies European tour. And, um, he, um, I just saw him one day and I was like, I'm done. All right. And, um, one. this is the so, one. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and he, caddied for me um, early on in our relationship. And then we 
kind of came to the conclusion of it's really, really hard to truly spend 24-7 with someone. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it is legitimately 24-7 because is, you're doing yeah. your, you're, you know, you're working yeah. together and then, you know, it's not often you're going to go and have dinner separately and, and all of this. And so it's just one of those things where it's just like yeah. you, you sort of, you know, it, it is so important to make sure that you have your own space. And um, so we both decided, you know, it was probably the best thing for his career as well yep. um, to uh, have us not work together. And so since then, I mean, he's won the U.S. Open with Michelle Wee. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Wow. Suzanne Pedersen. Um, That's you know, and, and so, yeah, and, and he, he is one of the greatest caddies that I've ever been so lucky yeah. to work with, uh, let alone just being an amazing human being. And so he's actually still, well, Right now, he's off skiing in Queenstown with his family um, because you guys can do that. You guys can go travel. And, <laughs> We're a bit lucky at the moment. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Which is wonderful because you guys have, you know, it, I know it's been very, very difficult for all of you, um, you know, and, and yeah, around the world. You know, it's like you sit there and say, okay, you guys were stuck in your house for a very long time. And as a result of that, you've been able to basically eradicate the virus. Whereas say where I was in Florida, you know, people were not socially distancing all the time, like masks weren't worn all the time. Um, and then, you know, it's just completely exploded in terms of the number of cases that there are. So yeah. that is really unfortunate. And I think that, you know, it's, this is a, a period of time where everyone's going to have to make sacrifices and make some yeah, of the we'll biggest see. sacrifices they've ever had to make in their lives. And I just sit there and I tell everyone, you know, like what, what's a couple of months in a single person's life <laughs> compared to the entire number of months in a human being's life that you could be saving if yeah, that's just by good. staying at home, you know, that's a good way of looking at it. Um, so, um, I mean, in terms of like your, your golf, like obviously um, it feels like you've done, like you say, you're still pretty young, but you've done so much, you know, cause you were so quick out of the blocks. And I mean, do you feel like you've still got a lot more game, you know, to go like to get better and improve and, and keep, you know, winning and stuff? Oh, no question. I, I honestly, and it may sound silly. That being said, I don't care if it sounds silly. I think that I've just, you know, in the last couple of years past my, the halfway point of my career. Yeah, no, that's, I, I, I love the game. I find no reason why I can't continue to improve. Um, you know, I, I want to be done with golf when I'm done with golf and I don't see that happening for a very long yeah. time. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. I know. Cause obviously I saw you, I saw you with some of the commentary and that, and that looked awesome. And you were amazing by the way, you know, when you, I saw you talking to Tiger Woods and asking about his, son and stuff and then he he came back and said oh you know it's it's down to him and um i mean i wasn't sure whether because obviously you're great at commentary and and broadcasting you know and i think your personality is amazing for that isn't it you know and your background but like do you, do you think that's like a future career or a side thing or how would that go well yeah i mean it is it is currently a little bit of a side hustle because you know i am still a competitor first and yeah, foremost it just so happened that during this period of, of lockdown, the men started playing before we did. And, yeah, um, you know, I had done something at the RBC and then um, I was granted the opportunity to be able to 
do the commentary all four days for the memorial, which is pretty wow. incredible because, yes. you know, it, it, it's Jack's tournament at Jack's course. Tiger's almost always there. He did yeah. sign up late. You know, it was one of the best fields, um, you know, outside of the majors and it played like a major. So I was just a kid in the candy store. I was like, you know, I'm like, what's the worst that happens? They're just going to tell me, don't come back, you know? <laughs> and, and so I just, you know, I just basically did what I would do if I were at home watching the final round of the U.S. Open with some of my mates that were maybe not as well versed in the game of golf. And I was just trying to tell them, hey, this is what the, the players most likely thinking because of the way that the hole is shaped. This is probably the way they're going to want to play it. The, the lie that they have is probably going to dictate, you know, what kind of shot they're going to be able to play if they really want to access the green or if they, you know, think right now is not the time to make a charge. Um, you know, so I was just wanting to try and, you know, provide a little bit of insight. Um, and on top of that, you know, it, it wasn't about me. It, it, it truly is about the players. Yeah, of course. And so, you know, it's, it's, you know, really about sharing their story and their experience and everything. Yeah, I think that was what everyone, the feedback everyone gave, wasn't it? That it was great hearing a player, like a player's perspective, talking about the players rather than just commentating, like you say, the actual insights. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's also hard though. You know, I mean, I, I understand that, you know, commentary has been the way commentary has been for so long. Um, you know, be it good, be it bad. It just, it, it is what it is and it's been yeah. what it's been. Um, and that is, hang on one sec. Oh, there we go. It is something that I've thought about for a long time of like, not so much I want to shake it up, yeah. just more that I want, um, I want more options for our viewers. I want people to be able to learn more about the game yeah. and, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the whisper talk, you know, um, it, it just, it, golf is athletic now, you know, a friend of mine um, was yeah. telling me how, how much the game has changed. She was like, when, when I was a kid, you know, I wouldn't watch golf when I was a kid because they all looked like substitute teachers, <laughs> how he described them. Like, and it's like, it's perfect. You know, I mean, obviously partly due to the fashion and, and all of that. It's just yeah, right now, you know, you just get these, yeah, you know, you like Rory and Tiger and, 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 you know, all those guys, they have that perfect V now. Like they, they're athletes that can play golf. They're not just golfers. And so I think that, um, you know, with that um, evolution of the game, the, the broadcasting should evolve alongside. And so I think that it's, um, you know, there, there are some things here and there that I think we could, you know, maybe look into down the line, you know, in terms of how we want to, you know, interact with our, with our viewers, viewers, while how we, yeah. you know, want to educate our viewers and things like that. Um, and it, it really is a perfect opportunity mm -hmm. right now because nothing is normal. No. So why not implement something that's a little weird, a little wacky, a little, sure, yeah. you know, off, you know, off collar, things like that, because it's not like anybody will really know any differently. Um, you know, truth be told. Yeah, I mean, where do you see the game going? Do you see it all going distance now, or can can they rein it in and get back to accuracy? Or do you could we change the balls or the courses? What what do you think will happen? Like, how can we handle it? Um, well, I think you know, in order to keep golf courses relevant, um, I I'm a huge fan of Lynx Golf, uh, Golf in the Sand Belt. My number one place on earth is Tara Edie. It is oh, wow. the yeah. absolute <laughs> best place in the world. Um, so I, I, 
I, I know the Americanized version of the game is very much, um, you know, grow, grow the rough out and grow the rough in and make the fairways tighter. You know, that'll make the guys, you know, really think, oh, you know, I have to make sure I hit this fairway. And it's, you know, I, I think that um, truth be told, hmm. the golf ball is far too forgiving. It doesn't curve as much as it used to, aside from guys like Bubba and, um, you know, um, guys like that and yeah. Phil and everything. The, the driver heads are way too forgiving. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, like there, you, you used to be able to, like if you hit the ball long and straight, you had a legitimate edge on top of everyone. Like you, if you could be a shot chaser. And now I just feel like it's not quite the, it's not, it's definitely not where it used to be. And so, um, you know, and I always prided myself in being a ball striker. I went through several injuries and I'm getting back to where I was um, now. And I just sit there and it's just like, I will know if I catch a ball a quarter of a groove off. Oh, wow. You know, I, I, I have that kind of like body awareness. I can yep. feel when my body's in a strange position and I have to save the shot and I hate saving shots. Um, so I'll sit there and I'll be like, what was that trash? And the putt will still be, you know, I'll still hit it to like three meters, four meters. You know, it's like, I'll, I, because I know I had to save it. Um, you know, there are still certain things that I want to um, improve upon with the mechanics of my swing, yep. you know, and at the same time, I'm also a huge proponent of, you know, I always, I always tell my friends, you know, just dance with the girl that brought you and you got to understand you're not always going to be dancing with the prom queen. Um, with what you got, you know, like, so, make the most of what you've got, and uh, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you can't right. like don't fight it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't fight it. You know, work with it, mm. and um, you know, just just take the path of least resistance. And you know, to an extent, there's a little bit of like you know white knuckling until you know you can make that last putt drop, and then you can go ahead and focus on it. It's it's really not worth it to try and fix the swing in the middle of the round if it's something that's you know if you've got like something that can give you a two-wayness all of a sudden. Okay, no, that's really interesting, man. That's, uh, that's, that's pretty intense. Like, um, just on, and so in terms of the, like, the rules and stuff like that, I mean, do you, do you think that uh, there's been a lot of like, controversies lately, um, you know, like in the men's game and the women's game and stuff? Do you think that it's down to the player? Like, they just need to know the rules better? Or do you think like, it's, the rules need to be easier or the tour needs to help people explain it better? Why, why do you think it's not? there's so much like controversy and stuff and well you know i mean first and foremost like let's say if i were to get a job at a law firm as a clerk yeah i would be handed from hr a a binder a pamphlet a dvd yep. even a scrap of paper that says you know no personal emails from your business accounts and no um, you know, harassment of any of your coworkers yep. and don't steal pens from, you know, the, uh, the pantry and stop cooking fish in the microwave, Kevin, or, you know, whatever it is. And if you don't, don't abide by these rules, <laughs> you're going to face repercussions, whether it's some sort of a sanctioning, whether it's like yeah, actually people. losing your job. And, you know, at the end of the day, the reality is that the golf course is the office of professional golfers this is where we make our money so this is our law firm yep. and the only thing is that 
you know, we've been so fortunate, you know, the vast majority of us, like I started when I was about 12 years old, we've been doing the same thing since we were kids. Yeah. And so, you know, there, there was always a stress put upon the importance of the rules. Um, but when you're a kid, it's like, okay, we'll just know what the white stake means, what the red stake, what the yellow stake means, this and that. And um, so I think it's completely the player's responsibility, yeah. regardless of what level of golfer you are, because the rules of golf are not there to hurt you. The rules of golf are there to help you. They're there to protect the entire field. And so it is our duty and our responsibility to go over the rules as, as much as we can, as often as we can. When we're in professional tournaments, you have to sit there and look at the local rules um, because, you know, the, the, what will determine a boundary for an out of bounds could be different from yep. week to week. Um, the rule itself doesn't change. It's just where they're going to place that, that, that boundary at. And so, um, you know, it's just a matter of knowing, you know, knowing the rules. And I mean, I've been subjected to, um, you know, I've seen that my ball moved on a putting green. No one else saw it. And I said, no, it moved. I don't, and they're like, well, are you sure? Cause we didn't see it. I'm like, I don't care if you didn't see it. It moved. Yeah. It's you to play it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've also been in situations where I was in a tournament in Spain a number of years ago. And, you know, on the LPGA tour, we were playing the ball up. We were playing lift clean in place because it was yep. just soaked. And so I thought lift clean in place, you know, on the LPGA tour, it's one club length. And on the ladies European tour, it was one scorecard length. And I didn't know that at the time. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like a couple of inches. Yeah. Yeah, and so I ended up moving it more than a club, more than a scorecard length, yeah. less than a club length on the first hole. I hit it, and then on the second hole, I was in the midst of moving it again. Yeah. And Alfajar Munoz uh, stopped me and said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! It's LET. We only do one scorecard." And I'm like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. I was like, "Well, I did do it on the first hole, so I guess I need to get penalized." Yeah. We called a rules official over, and I said, "This is what happened." I was like, "I get two strokes, right?" And he said, "Yes, you get two strokes." And um, I ended up missing a playoff by two strokes. I was runner up by two. And I was like, okay, well, my thought was, thank you, Atha, because I was able to scrap around and shoot yeah. 70 yeah. instead of a hundred and like, <laughs> you know, six. Instead of DC. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I, I think when one thing that people, regardless of age, regardless of occupation, regardless of situation is, you know, if someone is trying to give you, um, you know, trying to prevent you from doing something that's harmful to, to listen, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to have to yeah. like obey. You yeah. just should probably listen and see where they're coming from and just communicate better. You know I mean? There's everything in this world right now is so divisive. So I think that yeah. there could be a lot gained by just communicating. That's cool. Um, so on that subject, I mean, now that's awesome. That's great advice for all golfers, right? And all the best golfers all know the rules inside out, don't they? You know, like Jack Nicholas and players like that. That that was high up. Oh, excuse me. Yes, yes, yes. Things. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, and like obviously you do, and that's to your advantage, uh, to everyone's advantage. And um, uh, back to Europe. That's interesting. I mean, like, how do you find the different competing on the the ladies you tour in Europe, which I guess is a bit smaller, isn't it, than like the ladies USPGA tour? Do you enjoy the variety of countries or the golfers or how, how do you find the changeover like? Well, you know, obviously the money is very different and I, I had spent several years as a very proud dual member of both the LPGA yep. and the LAT. Yep. 
And I, I love to travel. Um, I'm, you know, probably the furthest thing from a stereotypical American tourist. Um, you know, I, I love to involve myself in unique and different cultures. I yeah. like to experience different foods, different forms of fashion, just different ways that people, um, you know, like use their body language and things like that. And, and just being able to observe people yeah. and the golf is fantastic as well. You know, I mean, you get to play some of the best golf courses in Europe, which is really, really cool. And to be able to see, you know, a continent that's about the same size as North America, you know, give or take a few hundred thousand miles or whatever it is, you know, like in essence, um, you know, you can really see so much, you know, national pride when it's yeah. like, wow, you know, like the, <laughs> I, I was able to go to the Italian Open and that was so amazing. And you won that. I went to the Spanish Open. Uh, that was the Sicilian Open. Oh, um, sorry. Yeah, sorry. The, it, it was, it just wasn't. Um, and then, you know, the French Open and things like that. Obviously the Women's British Open is amazing. The Irish Open, like there's so many, so many amazing tournaments that I had been fortunate enough to play in. So I, um, I love, I love going over to Europe. I love you know, quite frankly, just being able to travel. Um, so yeah. it doesn't really matter to me where it is. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm so stoked to be able to say that I went from central Florida to like Northwest Ohio, you know, like it's, it's, it's just, it's something different. It's, it's, it's a unique experience, it's different people. Like there is, there is nothing, you know, very few things could teach you more about yourself as well as the world as travel can. Yeah, of course. I mean, like in terms of the, the Solheim Cup, I know like you obviously you've got an amazing record in the Solheim Cup. You've won a lot and, and you played three. And I think I've heard people say, you know, it gets a bit of a grudge match and it's kind of like that with the Ryder Cup sometimes, isn't it? But and I mean, how did you find, did you, do you love competing in match play and how did you find the Solheim Cup? Because I, I know you're friends with a lot of Europeans too, aren't you? So I think you're obviously friends with them, but is it different when the game's on though? You know, like it's, how does it change when you're actually competing there? Well, so it's, it's a bit different for me. And I, I know it's different from what the vast majority of people perceive me as during the Solheim Cup. Yeah. I am not all about rah, rah, rah. Um, you know, I, I'm very, very proud to have been born in America. Yeah, I'm yeah, very, sure. very proud um, most of the time of the way that we conduct ourselves. <laughs> I, um, you know, I, my celebration, my jubilation, that comes from the celebration of a shot perfectly executed. Yeah. I never sit there. I never cheer when my opponent misses a putt. No. Um, you know, like if, if my, if, if my opponent misses a putt and people start cheering, I'll turn around and I'll, I'll, I'll tell them to shush. Like that's so disrespectful. Like it's, yeah. we're here to celebrate and we're supposed to celebrate all of the best things. Yeah. And we're not here to celebrate when someone loses or someone fails. Um, so for me, it's all about celebrating. And I would celebrate the shots that my, um, you know, friends that were my opponents would hit, you know? Yeah, like it's, it yeah, it's, cool. it's all about the celebration of the game. It's not, yeah. um, you know, you have 12 women from the United States playing against 12 women from Europe at the end of the day, we should be celebrating the game first and foremost. Yeah. And, you know, you can be a proud American national and still be a good sportswoman and be a good um, show sportsmanship and to, you know, 
prove that you value more than someone else missing a putt. If you win, you win. I, if, if someone loses as opposed to, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like, if you win, you win. If someone loses, it's a little bit different story. Um, so I think there's a little bit of a misconception when it comes to me because they're just like, you know, she's so loud, she's so brash, she, you know, the Europeans hate her, this and that. And I'm like, that's, no. that's okay. Like, they don't know me, so they can only come in with their own perception of it. So, you know, mm. I don't need to change or their minds. I know who I am and I know what I'm here doing. So um, if they want to hate me, that's, that's more of a them issue than it is yeah, me. Totally issue. Yeah, totally. I'm, you know? Um, that being said, I do, I do wish more people were able to understand what my celebrations were in relation to. There's never anything mean there. There's never anything, um, no malice, never anything where I'm trying to be like, you know, no. up yours to my opponent or anything. You know, no, it's just like, I'm half the time, I'm like, did you see that shit? That, my ball did the thing! You know, like, let's celebrate that! <laughs> That's incredible. Like, I mean, do you, so when in the match play mindset, do you, do you have to have, do you look at it differently or are you just still playing your game and just trying to get the best out of it? Or do you go? Cause I, I think I read that you said, you know, I'm going to go kind of beast mode and you know, you're going to go to that next level of comp, you know, competitiveness. Like, do you get in that, like that mindset somehow? Yeah. It, it, it's just, it's hard to describe because you, you've basically got three days straight, of the 90th minute of uh, Rugby World Cup. <laughs> You've got uh, the All Blacks going up yeah. against the Springboks and this one last play is gonna determine everything yeah. for the entire last four years. <laughs> and you have that for three days straight, basically. Yeah. So it, it, it does elevate your game. Um, everybody plays better. Um, it's just sometimes they show up, you know, the game shows up at different points in time. Um, you know, you hyper-focus, you just, you know, match play is great because all you care about is this shot more than it is you do in, in stroke play because you sit there and you're like, I just made triple, like, all right, that's one hole. It's not it's three hard. or four shots. Um, you know, so it, it just really does teach you to capitalize more on, you know, this shot right here, right now, which is something that I think is super important for people yeah. to learn to implement in, in stroke play. It's just that much more amplified. And when you've got the crowds with you, um, you know, be it the crowds that are with you, if you're, if you're at home or the crowds that are against you when you're away, um, you know, there's just, there, it, there's truly this electricity that courses through the entire golf course and it's like a life force all its own yeah, and it's just awesome. so freaking cool no it's awesome yeah no i mean i know you've um you've got a great record haven't you in the solemn cup uh, i think you were okay. a couple of times unbeaten and seven you yeah, know very it's excellent um i mean were you happy were you have i know i know obviously uh europe beat us but were you happy that suzanne Pedersen hold the putt on his like as a friend from a friend point of view or Oh my God, it was, you could not have had 20 of the best writers in Hollywood like come that. up with a story yeah. like that because it was, it's incredible. it was, you know, between the putt that Bronte made immediately before Suzanne did. And yeah. then 
Suzanne making that putt, the crowd screaming, Bronte being right there, not there on the hole, but just being right there and knowing and realizing just how important those two putts were and that it meant everything. It was one of the greatest stories in all of sports. And the fact that it came down to the last hole, um, you know, it's just, you can't write shit like that and have people believe it. That, that's something that's so amazing. And then, you know, on top of that, Suzanne, you know, she was like, I'm done. I have nothing left to do or give. I, I, I am done. And, and for that to be the final moment of her career, like it was just, it's, it's amazing. Like I, I love her so much. And, you know, we were rookies together and yeah. I remember I, I went over to her house for a party and we got so drunk that, you know, I stole this like <laughs> meter and a half by like two meter painting, not painting picture of her with one of her first victories. And I like, stole it and like dragged it out of the house and put it in my car and drove home like you know um I lived like you know a kilometer away you know it was probably like 600 meters as the crow flies um not that I should have been driving um and you know like we just have all of these great bits and pieces of history and you know we've known each other for like now it'll be um you know 18 years that I've known her and it's just oh wow that's awesome so so cool you know and and um you know she's just so freaking special and so there's there's no one on earth that i would have been happier for truly uh other than suzanne like doesn't matter who it was on the u.s team if they had done the same thing it, it, i would have been you know very thrilled it's just to, to have suzanne come back the way that she did it was just it was everything yeah, I mean, she, that they're going to miss her so much now, aren't they, in that team? And um, I just hope that more players come through, you know, to the youngsters keep coming through to, you know, fill some of that. Because, um, yeah, that's left a huge void, unfortunately. But, yeah, no, it was I think you'd be surprised. surprised. There's a lot of passion. There's a lot of passion on that European team. And you have some of these players that are in that sort of um, – limbo phase where they're no longer the young kids they're just not quite the veterans yet you yep. know that, that have that passion and they were able to witness everything that Suzanne did you know like Carlota Seganda and Atahara Munoz and mm -hmm. you know they they're going to be the ones that are charging the next um, um, generation of players and it's going to be such amazing competition and it's only going to get better as the generations go on. So you think there's still all to play for, you know, like, is it still kind of evens when it comes down to those three days? And, um, you know, like not one-sided or anything like? Well, uh, you know, uh, historically the U.S. has been better when it comes to the singles matches. And yeah. historically the Europeans tend to be better when it comes to the team play. Awesome. And, you know, in, it, within the U.S., we just don't have team competitions like that as much. And yes. so, you know, you, you can be out of your element. Um, and like, I remember in 2009, when um, I was paired with Michelle Wee, it was her first Solheim Cup. And I was just like, bro, like, we got this, like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> like, you're playing um, four yes. ball. And I said, I promise you, I will hit every fairway, and I'll hit every green. And at worst, I'm going to two putt. So if you have 171 meters um, to carry and the pin is 174 meters and you think that you can hit a high cut five iron to that, 
I'm going to go hit my hybrid over there in the middle of the green and you go and hit that shot because I know you can hit that shot. And so, you know, there's, there's a little bit of that that mm -hmm. has um, been needed to be implemented a little bit more when it comes to the team um, events of it, you know, because in America, you know, everything, we don't do stable for, you know, it's, it's, we just do stroke play for the most part with the occasional match play. So I feel like there's a Very little smart. bit of, um, yeah, there, there's a little, you know, cause so all we ever do is metal play. And, and so when it's all, you know, you're putting it in a, in a different environment and different element. And all of a sudden you have to, um, share control all of a sudden with your partner. And it's like, Oh my God, like my, your, what you do is going to be a direct relation as to where I put you. Holy cow, like that's a different kind of pressure, you know? Yeah, it's just it's it's just different. So I mean you mentioned a couple of um great players there. Um who is the best player like you've played with? Um, do you think? Like out of those guys you mentioned and others that you played with? Um and is there I, any that you look up to, like you mentioned though, like Suzanne and Michelle, like are those the guys you look up to as kind of um I don't know, like heroes or rivals or people you learn off or? Well, I mean, Suzanne, I mean, again, it's, it's kind of weird because Suzanne and I were only a couple of years apart and we grew up on tour together basically. Yeah. And Michelle is five years younger than me. And I, I remember taking her under my wing when she was 13 I mean, years old because nobody up. would talk to her because she's tall and pretty and really, really good at golf. And I'm like, she's actually a really cool kid. Like why, why wouldn't you talk to her, you know? Um, so for me, my heroes really were, were women like Barry Pock, obviously, because, you know, as much as people say Tiger changed the game, what Barry Pock did to the game of golf in Asia, and as a result of that, the rest of the world is staggering. Wow. Um, obviously, Nancy Lopez, she was my first yep. Solheim Cup captain, Beth Daniel, Meg Mallon. I, I mean, it, it, it just, I was able to witness true professionals in the sense of these women that were pioneers, you know, they were not necessarily the founders of the LPJ tour. They were, you know, more that second and third generation of it. They had to, they had to fight tooth and nail to get everything that they could and to provide us with the tour being where it is now. And um, I'm not saying that there are people that are ungrateful for it. I just don't necessarily know if there are a lot of players that truly know the history of understanding why we are where we are and how we have to continue to push forward so that the next three generations will have things that we 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 couldn't even dream of yeah. you know yeah. um so i was very very lucky that i was able to be um a rookie you know when they were in the twilight years of their career yeah, and was. yeah they're, they're just they're, they're legends um, do you do you feel like there's any room for any kind of like co-sanctioned tournaments in future, or should there you know should there be men and women playing together or against each other or mixed parents or I don't know just just throwing it out there or do you just see no it's definitely all one or the other like it is now like is there any talk yeah. about? Or? I love the guys, yeah. um, and I love <laughs> playing against the guys. You know, I I, yeah. I think that. You know, obviously with the Vic Open, um, now that it's an LPGA tournament, mm. is, you know, it's sanctioned with um, the Australian Ladies Professional Golf. Uh, it's sanctioned with the Men's European Tour. 
the Australasian tour, you know, so it's, it's really, it's such a game changer because you have two tournaments that are held at the same venue. So we have 36 holes, two separate purses and the, the pairings go male, female, male, female, male, female. Wow. So you get to watch the guys in front of you and behind you and the guys get to watch it too. And, <laughs> You know, the first year that that it was an LPGA tournament, when I went over, it was just so funny because there, it's like the guys were like, I, I I'd, I'd be playing with some of the guys in practice rounds, like you guys hit the ball so far, and they're like, but well, you hit it so straight, you know, like it's just a the accuracy different... is unbelievable in the women's game, like compared to the men's, like it's just so straight, but for sure. And I mean, the thing is, you know, speed is going to cause you know a, a factor in the dispersion. There's no doubt about it. Um, it's just, it's so funny because we, we play the same game. It's just different, you know? Um, so I think that, you know, there are definite discussions of there being mixed events, um, of there being single purse tournaments where there are men and women. I, I I don't know. I think that it would be phenomenal. Yeah, it would be. You know, there's no reason why they can't do it. And I would love it if, so if we could find a venue (laughs) <laughs> because the guys, they play from the tip and they hit the ball so far. We, we, hit the, we have plenty of girls that hit the ball far as well, just not that far because, you know, the more club head speed there is, the, like it ex- exponentially goes further. Yeah. And so we, we probably hit the ball about 20 to 23% shorter than the guys with every club. And so if we were to, that, that being said, we only play courses that are at most 10% shorter than what the guys play. Oh, so your game's longer. You're playing longer courses, like pro. We're playing yeah. much longer courses. So <laughs> if we were able to take the golf courses yeah. we play and then make the guys play courses that are um, the equivalent of that, yeah. I would love to know what the scores were. I, know, I, would, I would love too. I would, to know. I would be pretty close, I reckon. I would. So these girls, oh, no. I mean, we still shoot 15 to 20 under every week On those at a disadvantage. Mm. We have tournaments where we'll shoot 31 under like it's the guys would not be able to shoot 15 under if they play the courses, you know, in the equivalent length we would like, it would, it would be very interesting to see. I think. No, that would, that's, that's awesome. I hope that happens. That would put them in their place. For me. I don't know if there's enough land on earth to be able to do that. That would be pretty incredible. Um, so, I mean, like, sorry, just going off again, like, is, looking back on your whole career, like, is there any one moment, you know, any one shot you'd take again or one thing you would do differently? Or are you always just so positive, you're always looking forward now and just never thinking back? Um, well, I mean, the reality is I'm very happy where I am now. Yeah. And um, not, I would not be here if it weren't for everything that took place yeah. in the past. Um, and I wouldn't have, you know, I, I remember my... Uh, a couple weeks before I won my first tournament, my dad and I, we miscommunicated when he was caddying for me. We miscommunicated over a putt oh, wow. that would have forced a playoff. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, if we didn't have that miscommunication, my first victory would not have been as close as we get to my hometown. Mm. And that victory wouldn't have been as sweet as it was, you know? Yeah. So I would never want to go back in time and fix that putt because no. Lord only knows yeah. like what would I do? You know, I may not appreciate things in the same way now. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and I also, I don't, I'm not really one to look too far ahead into the future. I have like a vague, you know, outline, you know, of what, what I'd like to see. 
Um, that being said, you know, I always tell people the future's never written. We right here, right now are the pen and paper that is going to be what the future is. So if you're not here now, then what do you, what, what do you expect from the future? You have to do the work now to see the benefits reap later on. No, that's a good one. I mean, what I, it's, but I mean, obviously you've got goals for this year though, right? Haven't you to like, um, or do you, or are you just going to try and play the best you can and, you know, see, see how it goes or. I mean, I play the best I can every single day and some days it's shit. <laughs> I still try and play the best that I can. I mean, obviously I do have some goals. I'd, I'd love to be able to hoist another trophy up, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and, and to be able to move up the rankings and yeah. to, have, you know, I have statistics that I want to improve upon. Um, I have, you know, I, I definitely have goals. Yeah, it's just, sure. I have to do the work right here, right now in order for that yeah. goal to be achievable. No, that's awesome. That's pretty good. And, um, oh, I think, um, what else was I going to say? Um, I think I've asked you everything I wanted to, I wanted to ask you to be honest, but I mean, I'll just, just sort of wrapping up in that though. I mean, I know like obviously love your golf game and, and love how like you're so honest and open and authentic. Um, I know you're like, you've got a lot of causes and, and movements and stuff. I mean, like, have you got any kind of like, what's, what's your, what's your thoughts on, on the movements, you know, that you're following and, and what do, what do everyone else like me or everyone else need to do? Should we just open our minds up or like what, what would your kind of advice be there? Well, um, you know, I, I've, I've always been an ally and an advocate for a lot of causes. I, you know, I, I'm part of the LGBTQAI plus yep. community. You know, I, I um, am a woman, so I've always been a huge fan of, of women's rights. Yep. Um, I was very lucky that I grew up in an extremely diverse area in Northern California, just outside of San Francisco. So I had friends of all colors, all races, yeah. all um, religious backgrounds, ethnicities, you know, identity, uh, the different ways they identify, uh, different orientations, different genders, no genders, things like that. So, um, you know, I, I, I'd like to believe that, you know, I look at people for who they are, not what they are. And... So, you know, I'm a huge supporter of the Black Lives Matter movement um, because, you know, I actually had a very long discussion with a good friend of mine last night where, you know, um, there's no question that all lives matter. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Just that right now, all lives will not matter until people recognize that Black Lives Matter and that the Black community has yeah, been yeah, yeah. Uh, systematically, um, you know, placed at massive disadvantages yeah. from the day that that America was founded, you know, and, um, you know, I, again, try to always do my best to come into any situation, any individual with no expectations and no preconceived notions. Um, and I'm open and willing to listen and to learn and to change because, you know, I think that a lot of the issues that we have, they all stem from fear in one way or another. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've, damn near committed suicide so i don't have fear anymore yep. you know it's just like why be scared you know <laughs> someone looks different than you someone yep. believes in something yep. different from you there's nothing wrong with that they have their universe you have your universe i have my universe we can all still coincide and um you know with everything going on with um you know like 
the realization of how systemic and how long and storied the history of black suppression has been. You know, yeah. I, I talked to some of my white friends. I'm like, I, I just want you to understand this is, we're not trying to bring anybody down. We're just trying to bring the black community that has been disadvantaged for so long up so that we can all reach the greatest heights of yeah. humanity yeah, together. That's, that's, that's all it is. There's nothing to do with someone is bad, someone is good, or someone, no. you know, it, it's nothing about that. It's just about how great can we make this world that we live in and how great can we leave this world for our children and for their children and their children's children like yeah why is it that and and also why why are people not open to change you know lack of change comes from fear and it's because you're like well i'm scared of what's going to happen and i sit there and i'm like <laughs> if you're like i always say if i'm meant to go I've had a good run. Like I'll go when I go. Like I, I don't, you know, it, 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 there are things that are at work and there are things that can, um, you know, bring change in the world. And I, and I say, you know, at the end of the day, be the change that you want to see in the world. And so that's not to say you yeah. have to be a leader or that you're going to inspire anyone or anything like that. If you're okay being able to have conversations, having difficult conversations with people, and making sure that you're always keeping yourself in check and, and checking in with yourself, checking in with um, your friends and things like that. And being kinder is huge. You know, yeah. being, you know there's, there was this beautiful meme that I saw where there was this um, older gentleman who, you know, looked very stereotypical from the South. He had like a camo hat on and, um, you know, had like a red, white, and red. He was wearing red, white, and blue or something like that. And he was in a wheelchair. He was wheelchair bound. And he had a sign and the sign said Black Lives Matter. And behind him, behind his back on the wheelchair, there was another sign that said, I'm sorry it took so long. I had a lot to learn. And it's just like, there's yeah. nothing wrong with at least being open to okay. listening. Yeah, That's the thing, you know. Um, and so the biggest thing would be to just stop talking. Just listen. listen yeah. You can ask questions and, you know, don't just hear what people are saying, like actually listen and, and think like, okay, that's not to say that they're saying I'm a bad person because I thought this way or that way. This is the way that I thought. Am I able or willing to even consider looking at it in a different light? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's change in and of itself. You know, it's, it's just having, being open, shutting up and being open. <laughs> no, I've, I read, I've, I mean, just like, like a lot of people, yeah, I was watching your video the other day that you put up and, um, you know, it was really, um, it was really heartfelt, you know, and eye opening and, and, um, you know, took a, took a bit of courage too, I think, doesn't it, you know, for just to, I don't give a shit what anyone thinks about me. Be <laughs> 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 it good or bad. I don't give a shit. Like, it's just, if it's something that I believe in, I'm going to say it. And especially when it comes to my social media, I sit there and I say, it's my platform. So you can always unfollow me if it's something that you really, really dislike and really don't want to be a part of. And that's okay. You know, like no one's forcing you to stay here. If you don't like it, then you can go. I follow the vast majority of accounts that I follow are those of people of color, um, and cats and dogs, primarily cats. You know, I, I follow the things that I want to follow and I follow a number of golfers. I follow some of my friends, um, you know, 
the ma vast majority are animals though, because I, I absolutely love them. And so no one's forcing me to go and look at this person's account or this person's account or anything like that. It's, that's part of the beauty of the freedom of social media. Is you, you do what you want and you watch what you want. And if something stops being enjoyable, just then stop, yeah, click yeah. that little button and unfollow <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> No, that's perfect. All right, brilliant. I mean, do we, will we get to see you down this side of the world anytime soon? You know, like New Zealand, Australia, are you, when are you coming back down here soon? I think you may want to have a discussion with your government first. Just send, I'll just call we'll, Jacinda after this and I'll yeah. get you special. <laughs> yeah, give Cindy a shout. Just give Cindy a shout. No, I mean, I, I think at the, at the closest, you know, it all just depends on how things um, unfold. You know, it's, it, it's not yeah. that it's too late. It's yeah. just that it is late with the um, current administration that we have in the U.S. taking things a bit more seriously and understanding how dire the situation is over here. So that's going to put a bit of a slow, uh, a, a rollback on when other countries are going to feel comfortable enough to allow Americans onto their soil. So in a perfect world, I would love to be there around Christmas time, you know, maybe in January. Yep. Um, I've not been to New Zealand in the winter. Um, it's still I've only ever... all year round. Oh, time. there's no question. It's the most beautiful <laughs> place on earth. There's no question. No question. I just haven't done it yet because I'm always on tour. Um, I would... I, I would love to go back. You know, I was there before the, uh, before Australia, I, I flew to New Zealand and, yeah. and spent a number of days. I went, I went uh, fishing for, or not fishing. I went diving for some power and oh, wow. that was a big move because I am not hydrodynamically built, <laughs> nor do I enjoy um, relinquishing the power I have to consume oxygen. Were so you free diving? just free diving. Uh, yeah, we had to. I mean, you're not, we, we had snorkels. You're not allowed to have a tank or anything like that. Oh, wow. And that's incredible. it was, I had a panic attack. I, we were going into like 10 meter deep water and, and, oh, you wow. know, I had all of, all of my gear was borrowed. So <laughs> like the suit fit me. Um, but the flippers were like three sizes too big. So I like went over the edge, like, you know, feet first, went down, felt the flippers fall straight off my feet. And I was, you know, obviously I'm buoyant in a wetsuit and I've got the snorkel in my mouth and I'm like, <laughs> and my, my um, Duncan's friend, who was the, 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 the gentleman that took us out there, he's yeah. like, what? And I'm like, <laughs> and he, cause I'm having a panic attack and I'm like, this is the only thing that's keeping me breathing. Even though the water's like, I'm like, I'm floating up to my chest. And he's just like, what? And I'm like, the flippers fell off and popped it back on. And so he dove down there and got the flippers. And I was just, I just hung by the boat for like 40 minutes, like just holding on to the boat and floating. And then we went to another spot and it was, it was, I was better with it. We changed my boots up and this and that. So it was okay. It was just, it was a comical it was just, it was a crazy, crazy thing. It was just, and it, I mean, I, I, I couldn't have been any more safe um, than if I were with anybody other than the two of them. And I was just like, <laughs> we left all of this hundreds of millions of years ago. So. It sounds like you're a, you're a legit adopted Kiwi now by the sounds of it. You know, you're like you're out there diving for power and. Oh, sure, bro. Sure, bro. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. 
I love it. All right, brilliant. Well, look, hey, thanks so much for talking to me. I really appreciate it. And um, look, I wish you all the best luck now with the season getting back going. And I'm, uh, I know you're going to kill it. So I'll be rooting you on and cheering you on. I appreciate that. Thank Thanks you so, so much. much for having me on. Yeah, no worries. Okay, great. See you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.